Did you know that the 4th of July is on a Thursday this year? That's going to be a full weekend of fun out on the deck, four days. But if your deck isn't what it used to be and you aren't using it for great family gatherings, you need to call my friends at All Weather Decks. All Weather Decks is a 24-time winner of the Angie Super Service Award. And they probably help one of your neighbors. Click on the map link at allweatherdecks.net. Call All Weather Decks today at 913-206-1974 or go to allweatherdecks.net and mention you heard it on 810. Call now and relax. The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, live in studio on a gorgeous Thursday afternoon. Last show of the week down here. Be hosting the program tomorrow from 2 to 6 on Sports Radio 810. So, Kyle, don't be here. I said it yesterday, and I'm reminding you again now. There's been a couple Fridays I've shown up, and you were not here because you were busy elsewhere. (laughs) It's it's not my fault. I know. I tell folk, hey, I'm gone, and I'll get a text from Kyle at 2.57. Show starts at 3. 2.57. Hey, you going to be here? No. I get here well before them when we have a show. That's true. I ain't rolling in here at 257. I blame Dylan Michaels. That's what I'll do. We blaming Dylan right now? Yeah. Is he still in Ireland? Not sure yet. Scotland? He did text me today, so I think he's back. You know, they, you can text from other countries. Hope you know that. I know that's I true. <laughs> he was making sure I had today's shows covered. Okay. Yes. We have a show today, no show tomorrow. Four hours on Sports Radio 810 tomorrow from 2 to 6. I've already had a long day. I went to training camp this morning. It was the last day of training camp. I, I'm like a... I had senioritis all year long, basically, and then I go the last day. It was the school's out, and I wanted to make an appearance. So I made an appearance at training camp today. It was a lot of fun. Glad I went for the last day. Uh, it was a shorter practice, but what I will say is I don't know if we were high enough on Richie James. Now, I've been high on Richie James, but I still don't know if I've been high enough on Richie James. We've been too low on Richie James. I'm not saying he's going for 1,000 yards this year. That's not what I'm saying, but I am saying he's going to have a much larger impact than I think folks are realizing. So at training camp today, Richie James was not only first-string punt returner, it was him and Amir Smith-Marset. I will say Rasheed Rice got one opportunity. Dropped it. <laughs> and I think they were going, you know what? We don't want to see Sky Moore 2.0. Get out of here. It's yeah. going to be Amir Smith, Marset, and Richie James. I don't know about you. I don't think Amir Smith, Marset's making this roster. Well, that means Richie James is going to be the punt returner. I am doing my uh, deducing, my sleuthing right now, if you will. Again, Sterling Holmes more like Sherlock Holmes. But Richie James not only was valuable as a returner, he was used a ton in the passing game, way more than you might think. And if I'm not mistaken, it looked like once or twice he even got the ball out of the backfield. He will be used a lot. With Kadarius Tony out especially, he is the shiftiest guy on this roster. Quickest guy. Best moves. Now, I know he's not the biggest dude in the NFL. I Obviously, he's about 5'9". I get this. But he gets open. And they even used him, you know, in the red zone? 
how they would do it with McCall Hardman sometimes. Those little pop passes. Right. The little, you know, you, two the yards to go, shuffles. the end zone right there, the little forward shuffle. They did that with Richie James today. And I just find it fascinating how much he was used over Rasheed Rice. Sky, MVS was involved a little bit today, but the guy that really stood out was Richie James, and I was talking to Adam Teicher, um, and Adam even said, yeah, you know, we're seeing him progress more, uh, Richie James get on the field more, but he's shown a lot. Like, this hasn't just been a one-off. Richie James has been a guy that's impressed almost everyone in the media who's been there at training camp. Because I was kind of going around, I wanted to get a feel of, hey, has this been normal? Or is this what's going on at day in and day out? And they're basically like saying, yeah, Richie James has flashed day in and day out. They've all been shocked by his speed, acceleration, athleticism. And again, it's something I wanted to keep pointing out. He's not the biggest guy, not the biggest name. I know a lot of people thought of him as an underrated signing. He's a maybe going to make the roster type of guy. I kept trying to tell folk, again, he's not a wide receiver one. But he's making this roster. He is talented. Talented. All of the analytics and underlying numbers love him. The eye test, if you watch him at the end of last year with the Giants, loved him. And everyone kept thinking of him as a short yardage guy. Those eight-yard situations, those uh, end-to-rounds only. But that's because the Giants' offense wasn't conducive for the deep ball. Their offensive line is fine. Andrew Thomas is obviously a stud. But Daniel Jones... Come on. That's not Mahomes. That's not Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. That's not Justin Herbert, Trevor Lee. It's not those guys. So, with Mahomes, even with Blaine Gabbert, you saw him bring in a 43-yarder in the preseason game. Now, picture that with Mahomes game in and game out. He is going to be a bigger difference maker than I think people are giving credit for. That's all I got to say. And it's his first year in the system, too. And everything we've heard is he's picking it up extremely quickly. Yeah, a lot of people talk about how complex this this, this playbook is, and Richie James impressing people at camp, it sounds like. Well, and what I like is when I had a chance to talk with him, I talked with him earlier in the MVS's charity event, and he, and he was basically saying, hey, this is a, a lot tougher. That that time was OTAs. It's like, this is a lot more difficult than where he's been, San Fran, the Giants. But it's a good thing. He picks up, he, he, he is willing the challenge. He, he understands the challenge. He's accepted it. And again, today, you saw why. Now, uh, talking to some people, he didn't play a ton in the preseason game one. A lot of it was they wanted to see more of Sky and Rasheed Rice specifically. They wanted to see more Amir Smith Mars. So they wanted to see some of these Justin Ross. They wanted to see a lot more from Justin Ross, um, Amir Smith Marset, some of the guys that maybe won't have the opportunity. If you if you think Rasheed Rice is going to have a big opportunity to start the year in Kansas City, I, I wouldn't hold your breath. That's just my two cents. If you play a lot in the preseason, at least game one, typically that means you probably won't play it. Let's, that's why Wanya Morris played so much in the preseason game one. I love Wanya Morris. He ain't starting over Donovan Smith or Juwan Taylor. So the preseason is your only real chance to see them in game actions. Not, you know, regular season game actions, not playoff game action. But it's better than just practice. So some of these guys, if they play a lot in the preseason, that means that might be the only opportunity they have because you probably won't see them on the field a ton when the games truthfully matter. Justin Watson obviously didn't play a lot, and what does that tell you? tells me that's a guy who's been in the system for several years now, and he's 
a very valuable member of this team, like it or not. Correct. It doesn't matter what you or I think. It doesn't matter what the fans think. It matters what the Chiefs think about him. And they clearly think that he is valuable enough that he does not need the reps because he knows the playbook in and out. He's a valuable special teamer. And the Chiefs like his floor. They like what he brings to this team. Again, I think his offense is kind of redundant with MVS. But again, what I will say is if you're going to have six wide receivers, typically wide receiver five and six, and even seven if the Chiefs choose to do so with Kadarius Tony coming back, whenever he comes back, those guys aren't seeing the field with 40 snaps a game. They might get a handful at best snaps. Those are special teamers. So seeing Rasheed Rice, seeing... Justin Watson, seeing Richie James as a punt returner, and then seeing Justin Ross actually get a tackle on special teams. Seriously, I mean, that's a big deal. Justin Ross has to do that if he wants to make this team. He's back, by the way, that injury, very minor. He was back today. He was practicing. Looked good. Looked fine. It, It was a very... There's no wasted space, no wasted time in Andy Reid practices. Kind of looked like the the offense was going to show out for the crowd today, final training camp day. You know, maybe they let him get a couple on him. <laughs> I mean, they they were just going down the field for the most part on on the defense, yeah. and you could tell the defense looked like they were warming up. Kind of, I don't want to say going through the motions, but a little bit. It was a little bit of hey, let's let's put on a show for these yeah, these day. fans. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let's let Mahomes throw one to Justin Ross. Yeah, let, let, let's have K- Kelsey catch a couple touchdowns because they do it a little different. They go, you know, from the five yard line to the ten yard line, and they expand it out. Right. But I'm excited, man, about this wide receiver room. No Tyreek Hill, no Juju, no legitimate. I don't want to say top end because I don't know if you can would ever consider Juju Smith Schuster a top end guy. But no guy who's ever gone over a thousand yards. Juju went over a thousand yards to the Steelers. I, MVS is proven, but he's proven for about 600, 650. Yeah. Justin Watson's proven, proven for about 350. Richie James is proven, about 600. That's what we've seen so far, at least, from him. A lot of unknowns, but the unknowns look really, really good. Really good. It was a great day for training camp. It was beautiful outside. Uh, It was an early morning. Normally, it's at 9-ish. 8.15 8.15 start time today. I live in downtown Overland Park. It's an hour, 10-minute drive to mm. St. Joe. Long way away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long way. Early morning. start, man. Early morning. Because you got to get there like 7.45. Right. 5.45 comes around quick, let me tell you. <laughs> now, I know some people out there saying, you probably wake up every day at 5.45. Congratulations. I'm, I'm happy for you guys. I'm not a morning person. I do talk radio. I stay up late. I sleep until 8. I'm, I'm not a wake up at 5.45 type of man. Unless it's for a tea time. Yeah. Unless it's gonna... for a tea time. <laughs> for a tea time or to crack open a beer for game day, okay. I'm all in. Yeah, Chiefs have a noon game. And I'm going with some of the, some of the fellas out. Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that, that bush light's going down at 5.45. Man. Pre six o'clock bush light. Come on, it's Come light on beer. Now. It's a light beer. I'm watching my figure. <laughs> no, typically it's a rum and pineapple. Okay, if, I, if I'm being serious, if I'm going to start drinking all day for like a like a tailgate, uh-huh. if I'm going to a zoo game, and once we're in the car 
and we, we cross state line into Missouri because I'm a legal man, guys. Come oh, yeah. on. I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not drinking in Kansas while I'm in a car. I believe it's still the rule in Missouri, so correct me if I'm wrong. But as long as you're the driver, I'm pretty sure you can drink in Missouri, correct? That's what the rule was when we were in college. If it wasn't, then I was lied to. I've been doing this all the time. Not while I'm driving, okay? If I'm a passenger. Drinking and driving, again, is extremely bad, and I, I, I don't have... Uh, tolerance for that. That's just, in my opinion, yeah. absurd. Still get, legal. Get, 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 a, get, a, get a new bridge. So it's still legal. Okay. Yep. So when we go to Columbia, get state line, I'll have a six-pack in the car. That's in a cooler. But what I have in my right hand or left depends on what seat I'm sitting on. You know, you got, It depends on if you want the, the armrest or not. Rum and pineapple. Okay. That gets the morning going. It gets the juices flowing. I get my vitamin C. I ain't getting scurvy. I'm a healthy dude, and I'm a pirate, okay? <laughs> Pirates would drink rum before noon. That's that's what I'm doing. Good good point, good point. Okay? And Why are the Pittsburgh Pirates, by the way? I just thought of this. <laughs> There's no bay in Pittsburgh. Where are they stealing? Th- it's not Somalia. Like, the Florida Pirates make sense, because you got there's bodies of water. It's a big gulf. It's a big gulf. Yeah. Why is the Pittsburgh? And maybe I'm silly here. Is the Allegheny? Isn't that what it overlooks? The Allegheny River? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could be a pirate and go down a river, but that that seems very inefficient. Yeah. If you're on a river, you're more like a bandit. You're like a bandit. Yeah, yeah. the Pittsburgh Bandits. Yeah. It doesn't have the alliteration you want. The River Bandits. Yeah. That's a team in minor league baseball. Yeah. Point is, if I'm going to start drinking in the morning before noon, it's going to be a rum and pineapple before I switch to the light beers. Again, I'm watching my figure. Okay, good call. As the day goes on, you know, if it gets cold, I might have a nice stout. Guinness is always a good call. Okay. Smithics, if I'm getting real fancy. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Casey Beer. You've never heard of Smithics? No. It's delicious. Okay. It might be like Ireland's oldest beer or Scotland's oldest beer. All right. It's an old beer. I'll keep it in mind. You've in never my had it. Come on. This is a show where we, we, we teach you. We, we learn things. Um, let's go. Smithwick's Brewery, founded in Kilkenny in 1710 by John Smithwick. Um, it was in that family until 1965, until Guinness acquired it. So I think it's still around. 313 years. Who do you think started beer? It's like, you know what? Let's just ferment this bad boy. That's a long time. 313 years. Long time. Training camp. There we go. Training camp. Training camp was great. Uh, it was an early morning. I did not drink today. Uh, surprisingly, as as my rambling might suggest, I, ha- I have been. But no, I'm, uh, I am sober. Um, training camp was great. It was a lot of fun. Got to talk and, and hear from Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes said that he wants to do a QB sneak. He was asked about those short yarded situations. He wants to do a QB sneak. He's been trying to tell Andy and the entire offense, the entire team, hey, I'm good. That was a freak accident. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. He said maybe he might have to call his own number in the Super Bowl. If it gets, if it comes to that and he goes, the game's on the line, I might have to call my own number. He also made it a little... A little funny. He he said that they've been, he's never been stopped on a QB sneak either. 
He won for one. The time it happened, he still got the first. That's a great point. He goes, yeah, my knee may have gone sideways, but I still picked up the first down. <laughs> I love the humor in that. I was like, okay. I will say, it was such a freak accident. Such an uncommon situation. And I get it. He's a half-billion-dollar quarterback. He's the most important player, not only on this team, but the entire NFL. Tom Brady was the most important player in the Patriots for so long. Aaron Rodgers... Josh Allen, all these guys, all these quarterbacks, they still do it. Yeah, I, I understand Peyton Manning. I, I understand the thought process of, you know, what happened? He got injured one time doing this. He's he's the most important player. If he goes down, the Chiefs are screwed. I, I, I understand this. Do you truthfully believe that he would get injured again doing that? Because he could get injured running like Joe Burrow did, like Deshaun Watson did. He could get injured getting hit in the pocket or out like Lamar Jackson did. Mm -hmm. Injuries happen in football. I don't think this is adding a ton of extra risk onto Mahomes. I think, quite frankly, it opens the playbook up. Because when you see Blake Bell in there, you know what's going on. There's no more room for um, surprise. And I don't want to see the ball taken out of Mahomes' hand. There's so many different ways he could go with this. He could... Sneak, fake sneak, bust it out, throw a little screen pass to McKinnon, just pass the rock in general. But they teams have wised up, or they teams were wising up to the um, Burton dive, fullback dive, stopped it. So then they tried the Blake Belldozer dive. I don't think it's going to work anymore. It's time to bring back the easiest, most successful way to pick up a first down. QB sneak. Yeah, like you said, they're limiting them themselves. If you're playing scared with Patrick Mahomes, think of all the other stuff he does. He runs out of the pocket. <laughs> He'll run 25 yards. They're not, they probably are a little bit worried, you know, if he doesn't slide. But all this action he has going on, he's not going to get hurt on every quarterback sneak he does. And, and that's what it feels like. It feels like people act like if he does it one time, it's going to be the exact same situation. I don't think so. I think it's being very much overblown. Uh, Andy Reid did say that he expects his starters to play the entire first half against the Saints. So what does that mean to you? That means Patrick gets a series or two. (laughs) Maybe the offensive line? Yeah, I don't think Travis is in there past a quarter. Nope. Yeah, the O-line has to be, right? I would like to see Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor out there for a while. Yeah. I don't want to see Mahomes or Kelsey out there for a half. I don't know if I want to see him at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let Blaine Gabbert get some get some experience with that new line. I, I will say, Andy always says this, I don't think it really ever happens. I will say I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, MVS – or maybe not MVS as much because I think we know what he is. Maybe Sky Moore out there for for a while. Richie James out there in the new system for a while. I wouldn't mind seeing that. And maybe those guys do stay out there a half. But I would just be surprised. I know Andy said they'll be out there a half, but I think, like you mentioned, couple series max for uh, the main main guys. I do like to see more Wanye Morris. I would like to see him play a little bit more left tackle. We saw him briefly at left tackle in the last game. Um, I, I've enjoyed seeing Darian Kennard. 
Caliendo. Like I, I like seeing these guys who we don't know much about. Guys, that this could be their real opportunity to get some live game actions. Again, I get they're going against you know second teams and third teams, but if they dominate other second teams, then maybe you're sitting here thinking, well, could they at least be serviceable against these starters of other teams? Could they at least be adequate? And that's what it comes down to is you, you don't know until you see them. Um, cut more takeaways from uh, Mahomes and Andy Reid speaking. Mahomes loves the new guys, the new wide wide receivers. Uh, he's a big fan. Uh, Andy Reid gave nothing in regards to Chris Jones. Uh, there was no news. Uh, it seemed like he was... I don't want to say, and yeah, maybe it was a little, little annoyed. Obviously, it's he doesn't want to keep talking about it. Yeah, he gets a question about it every day, every single day. He wants him here. That you know, that's what he said. He, he basically said, you know, we wish he was here for training camp. We wish he was here because you're missing out on game action. You're missing out on knocking that rust off. Yeah, some contact. Some contact. Um, you know, Chris Jones out there tweeting again today. You know my thoughts on it. Not a fan. Not a fan of this whole. It was what was it Betty Davis eyes. It's just high school to me. It's very, he knows what he's doing. Not a fan. I'm not a fan of how Chris Chris Jones is handling this right. I'm not saying he shouldn't get paid. I'm not saying, I, I want Chris Jones to get his money. I get this. But the way he's going about it is uh, frustrating to me just a little bit. What you laughing about back there? He did tweet Betty Davis eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah, you think I was lying to you? Yeah, Kyle, <laughs> why do you think I was lying to you? Do you think I'm a liar, Kyle? No. What do you take me for? <laughs> a, a sleuth. A, a training camp sleuth. I am a training camp sleuth, good sir. Okay? I ain't no liar. He tweeted that. And I'm I'm not a fan. I will say it couldn't have been a better day for training camp. It was absolutely gorgeous. Gorgeous outside. Um, I'll just say this. I'm excited for this season. I I know that's an understatement for the Super Bowl champions, but my goodness, does this seem like an exciting year offensively and defensively? So much... Not just youth, but youth that is now going into their second year. Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson. Uh, you have a couple guys getting a couple more. You know, Brian Cook. Um, then you have some guys who were on the younger side who now you can maybe make the case they're veterans. Nick Bolton. Is Carl Lobson a veteran now because he was a starter last year? You make the case for that. Willie Gay Jr. Leo Chanel going into his second year. Like... I am excited about this defense specifically. A lot of it does start with Chris Jones. I, I said it yesterday. I'll say it again today. I think they're top 15, easy, bordering top 10 if Chris Jones is there. Without him, I think they're bottom 10, easily, just based around how this defense is so focused and built around what Chris Jones does up front. But I'm excited for FAU. I am excited to see what he can bring. I, I don't know how much he brings early on in the season, but I'm excited. I, I think he has the most upside of any end 
on this team. I love Karloftis, but I don't see Karloftis ever being a 13, 14 sack guy. He seems consistently in that 8 to 10 range, 8 to 11. I love Karloftis because the Chiefs need that. They need a consistent guy. They need a motor guy, a big dude, a power guy. That's him, the Tomba Holly type. But on the other side, FAU's more of that Justin Hewitt, not quite, but you know the, the speed type. He's got some bend to his game. A little more athleticism. I like what the Chiefs are doing. I like the way they're building. But again, you need Chris Jones in the middle because Turk Wharton, well, Turk Wharton's injury, that still remains. He was returned from the PUP list once. But the last few days, he's had knee problems. Not good. Yeah, and then you're left with, you know, rookie and Coburn and Danny Shelton's there. I've not seen much from Coburn, and that's been a little bit of a surprise to me. You know, I, I've not seen a lot of Keandre, and that was, maybe it's not a surprise because he was a six-rounder, mm-hmm. but I'm a little surprised because everyone around the NFL pretty much lauded that pick, saying how good it was, how, how astute of a pick that was. You know, a lot of smart people, smarter than me, said, yeah, this is going to be a great pickup for Kansas City. Again, he's, I'm not saying he's going to be a uh, Chris Jones, because he's not. He, he, he's a run stuffer first and foremost. But the lack of talk has me at least a little bit concerned. The lack of flash. And, and I get it. it. It's really hard to flash in training camp and OTAs. Because what flash is in training camp? Second, the quarterback. and No, offense, excuse me. Offense, and, of course. Offense but, and interceptions. and Yes. Cornerbacks and wide receivers. Right. Those flash. Running backs at times can flash because you're not tackling. Right. So you're like, oh, look at him. Look at that burst. And then you, people don't only realize the defense may have been able to get to him. They're like, but I am not bringing him down because I'm not going to hit him. Like, I'm not going to lay out and fully try. Like, today, they weren't tackling. So, yeah, the running backs look good. Okay? That's going to happen because they're not bringing you down. So you're like, oh, did he? Look at him bust the offensive line. You're like, yeah, but he might got. Most likely, Clyde wasn't busting through there like that. He's probably getting brought down for a three-yard gain. Same thing with Denary Prince and Pacheco. Wide receivers and cornerbacks flash in training camp. So part of me says, hey, on Keandre Coburn, let's pump the brakes a little bit. On FAU, who we haven't really heard a lot about, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Because a lot of people liked the way FAU looked in his limited action against the Saints. They said, look how bendy he looks. Look at what he's bringing to the table. So I think preseason is a better judge of these defensive line pieces and offensive line, for that matter, than wide receivers or corners. You can tell more from those guys in training camp than you can uh, on the interior line during training camp. Um, Danny Shelton also made everyone else look tiny, which is very funny. Like, Danny Shelton is a huge, huge human being. I heard Briscoe call him the human planet. He was a couple people down from Karloftis. He makes Karloftis look like skinny. And it's not like I'm saying like Danny Shelton's like, like a fat. He's he's like in shape. Oh, he's yeah. just huge. A monster of a man. Just so wide is what it is. He's so wide. He makes Charles Aminahu, who's a defensive lineman, look like he's skinny. Looks like makes him look like me. I, Danny Shelton has a pretty decent chance of making this roster. I think. I think. I don't know how many interior run stuffers you're going to keep because Derek Noddy's obviously here. 
because Coburn is obviously here. But with the injury concerns to Turk Wharton, I wonder if that does open the door more for Danny Sheldon. Again, he had a good little little appearance against the Saints. He got he got a sack. I just had to point out seeing him in person. I mean, my goodness, that is a big dude. So he's listed six two, three fifty. Seems light. And Seems light. You mentioned Omenihue, who is 6'5", 280. Yeah. And he makes that guy look small. Just, it's impressive. It's impressive. Again, before we go to break, um, I mentioned the punt returns. Rasheed Rice went back there at one point. Because originally it started off Richie James and Amir Smith-Marset. And I go, all right, no Sky Moore. Okay. There's something there. Obviously, Nico Remigio is still injured. So he's not going to be out there catching punts. That makes sense. So it's just Amir Smith-Marset and Richie James. And then the second time through on punt returns, they put back Rasheed Rice. And I think I think it was his first chance. Booted it. And we're all like, yep, let's not try this again. No more rookies taking No punts. more rookies taking punts. That's fine. Yeah. Let, let Rasheed Rice focus on being a wide receiver. Same thing with Sky Moore. I don't think we'll see either of those guys back there at any point this year. Take a quick break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN, Kansas City. How many fantasy football leagues is too many to be in? Uh, you know, the most I've ever had at one point is three. Any more than that, I I feel like if you can't name your roster from memory, then that's too many. Three three is the, the correct answer. If you have more than three, you're not having fun. At that point, it's a job. It's at that addiction. point, you should that's get it it's an addiction. It's a job. You better be getting paid if you have more than three. I do three. Okay. I do some of some sports media guys. It's my dynasty league. Just started this year. That was the one I was complaining about four-hour drafts. I do my fraternity league. We've been doing that since 2012. So going on 11 years now, mm-hmm. right? 12 years now, whatever whatever the calculation. I'm not good with math, okay? I'd say 11. 11, yeah. At least 11 years. Yeah. And then I, I do a uh, Arrowhead Addict one. I do one with all those all the uh, the listeners of Arrowhead Addict. If you're a certain member, which you got, if you're a listener, you want to join, you can join Arrowhead Addict, uh, become a member. It's a lot of fun. We have a Discord channel, and we do fantasy football. So we play with the, with, with the members you choose to play against us, and that's pretty fun. Okay? It's a good time. So I do that one, too. But anything more than three, what are you doing? That is an addiction. You better be doing it for a job. Yeah, get some help. More than three? People are like, yeah, I'm in nine. Like, name your guy. I don't know. Everyone. The entire <laughs> league. Well, I've got this guy on three teams. I've got that guy on four teams. And I want to point something out really quickly. I love, love, love fantasy football. But I think it's hurt the viewpoint of football in the NFL so much. I feel like people see all these skilled position players 
and think these guys are studs and don't realize the offensive line, the defensive line, and some of the nuances in the game itself. You see yards, you see interceptions, you see touchdowns, and that's all you care about. You forget about some of the nuances in the game. Like, I think a lot of people would realize Justin Watson's more valuable if they realized, hey, yeah, he's not a fantasy football player. He's a a good real-life mm-hmm. player because he has all the little things. Like, I, I think sometimes people get so caught up in who was popping off on fantasy and it, it, they don't realize that the game is more than just that. Or, or they see it in Madden, right? Like, Justin Fields, uh, this is why, I, good to me, a good example. Justin Fields is a great fantasy football quarterback. He ain't a good real-life quarterback. At least you've not seen that yet. This is his first year to prove it. Like, Kyler Murray's a great fantasy football quarterback. Right. He ain't a good NFL quarterback. At least not what we have seen so far. At least, especially health included. Joe Burrow is an incredible quarterback. He's pretty good in fantasy because he doesn't run, at least as much, he gets knocked a little bit. Like, I always have this fascination where whoever is great in fantasy automatically makes him a great real-life player, and it's just not the case. And part of this came to me in a realization when I also knew I was growing up when I said I this out loud. I was watching that first preseason game, and I said, Damn! That's a good pass protection uh, rep by LaMichael Pirine. <laughs> but seriously, I go, that's a good pass protection set, good rep by LaMichael Pirine. Yeah. Doesn't show up in the in the stat book. Doesn't show up on fantasy football. Yeah, you're not going to win any fantasy matches or gambling bets on blocks. But it is an important part of the game in the real life. And sometimes I just want people to realize this just a little bit. I don't think LaMichael Piran makes his team. But I want to see more from him. I hope he can be a stash just in case if an injury was to occur to Kansas City in the running back room. Because I, I like Isaiah Pacheco, obviously. But he's already had some injuries, right? The way he runs is very physical. It's violent. It could be considered conducive for injuries. Hopefully not. But again, he's had one so far. He's still in his yellow um, non-contact. Which, by the way, I am so glad the Chiefs don't have a yellow jersey, alt jersey they rock. Don't get me wrong. I own a Priest Holmes yellow jersey. Uh It looks good, like, casually. It looks horrible if you're wearing red pants let me tell you, doesn't look good. You're not going all yellow. You're not. I don't think you go white. I, I think the only way the yellow looks good, or gold for that matter, black. Yeah, gotta be black. Yeah, you can't do white, red, yellow. I don't think it looks great. You can do blue to an extent, but it's hard. Yeah, the Steelers. The Steelers can make it work. It's black. But yeah, the Mizzou can make it work. Yeah, is black. Yeah, um, or some other yellow. Pirates can make it. Pirates again, Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. It's black. I think yellow is one of the hardest colors to make work if you're gonna have it as that prominent a color. So, just kind of a side note here. I hope 
the Chiefs, one, don't ever get alt jerseys, but two, if they do, please make sure it's not yellow. Everyone that has a yellow jersey at home, I'm not saying I don't like it. It looks fine on you. It looks fine on you. But I can almost guarantee you're not rocking red pants with said jersey. Okay? I don't rock red pants with my... Ah! Pause. I do sometimes wear red pants with my Chiefs jersey, the gold one. They're not bright red. They're, they're an off red. They're khakis. They're not like the bright red Chiefs. They're, they're khakis, so yeah. it looks okay. They're, right. they're, they're, they're washed. A washed coral, salmon-esque type of color. But again, my point is, I'm glad the Chiefs have the uniforms they have. But going back to LaMichael Pirine... I find myself wanting to see him more because you've seen injuries before to Isaiah Pacheco. Jerick McKinnon has been injured a lot in his career, and at this point, I don't think anyone expects Jerick McKinnon to be a bell cow guy. He's a dude the Chiefs like to save for the playoff run and into the playoffs. That's what he's there for. He's a receiving back first and foremost. He's a third down back. Generic Prince? TBD. Honestly, TBD. We, we don't know. Uh, it's why I kept telling everyone to calm down in OTAs and training camp because... Running backs look good because you know why? They're not getting bleeping hit. They're not going all out. They're going to look good. I, I kept trying to tell people this, but no one wanted to listen. The reason why people kept saying, Darwin Thompson, Darwin Thompson. Mm-hmm. For every Isaiah Pacheco is a Cyrus Gray. Like, I'm not trying to rip on Cyrus Gray. I'm not trying to rip on these, uh, you know, Darwin Thompson. It's damn hard to, to be a NFL player. It's impressive where they got to to be drafted to even late – even undrafted free agents, it's impressive. They're, they're the 1% of their sport, of their career. But not everyone is going to be a superstar, and for everyone who was already crowning generic the prince, you got to calm down. Pump the brakes, you got too much dip on your chip. I like him too. But, like, there's a reason why he was undrafted. And if all the people who are who are so high on him are jumping off after one preseason game, I also got to say, what the hell are you doing? Have some nuance. Have some time. It's an undrafted rookie free agent. It's like I'm taking crazy pills. Where's the nuance of, hey, he looks like he has some traits that could be a good player in the NFL. But let's give him time. He's an undrafted rookie. Not every single rookie is going to be Kareem Hunt. In their first preseason game, no less. Running behind the non-first string line. I get it. He's going to get second and third stringers in his own right. But he's not behind Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Joe Tooney. Like, let's give it time. But my point is, again, Isaiah Pacheco's been injured. Jerick McKinnon's been injured a lot in his career. And he's getting older. And he's a third down back. And then you have Deneric Prince, who's a TBD. You still have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Who I think Clyde is going to probably play more than people think. Whether they like it or not. He does a little bit of everything, which makes it less obvious what you were doing with him in the game. Right? With Jerick McKinnon in the game, I think teams can sometimes sit back for the pass. He'll gouge up the middle, but, it, you know, if he's in the game, I think more than likely it's probably going to be a pass. Uh, with Isaiah Pacheco, more than likely, if he's going to get the ball, it's going to be a run. Clyde, to an extent, is going to keep it a little less obvious. I'm not saying Clyde's this great player. But I think he's going to get more touches than people believe. So there's your four guys. I like LaMichael Pirine as a guy 
if they can stash, if a guy gets injured, if Clyde isn't showing anything and you can't trade him, if generic Prince isn't showing anything, I like LaMichael Piron. I, I think it's a little underrated what he brings to the table. And again, I'm not always talking about his run and what he does running the ball. I'm talking about pass protection as well. Do we have a guy that called in and hated what we were talking about? No, I think it was a butt dial. All I heard was just background noise. Nice. <laughs> nice. He wanted he wanted to let you know what he thought. He thought it was background noise. Yeah, he, he thinks uh, Daenerys Prince is an awful signing. He thinks already. Awful undrafted free agent signing. Another spot where I think uh, I'm starting to get more and more intrigued about is the tight end room. Do they keep, keep three now that Jody Fortson is placed on season-ending IR and can't come back for Kansas City? Do they go four? Matt Bushman was close to making the roster last year. Does he make the roster this year? Do they opt for Kendall Blanton? Kendall Blanton um, obviously had a great stretch in the Super Bowl run with the Rams. Not known as a pass-catching tight end first and foremost, known as a blocking tight end. Do they go that route? What do you think? Do you think they keep three? Do you think they go four and it's between Bushman and Blanton? Do you think it's Bushman for sure? What's your take on this? I think if they do keep four, it is Bushman for Mm -hmm. sure. I don't see them keeping four. If they're going to take on an extra wide receiver, I see them keeping that at three. And hello, Blake Bell. I wonder if they keep four tight ends until Kadarius Toney comes back. Mm, Good point. Because until Kadarius Toney comes back, you're going to have six wide receivers, unless they surprise us even more and have Nico Remigio or Amir Smith-Marset making this roster. That almost allows you to keep four tight ends and push that decision down the road. I've also wondered how many running backs they keep on the active roster. Is it three or four? How many offensive linemen do they keep on the roster? Is it eight, nine, or ten? Probably looking at nine. How many defensive linemen do you keep on this roster? Does a B.J. Thompson make it? Does a Malik Herring make it? Does a Joshua Kando make it? On the interior, is Turk Wharton going to be healthy? Is Danny Shelton making it? Is Mike Caliendo on this team? Is, Is it wise? Is he making it? Again, there's more ways, I think, to break down this roster than just it has to either be a tight end or a wide receiver. You might be able to get away with four and seven. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that you can't. Um, before we go to break, the Chiefs superfan story has uh, a little new update on it from ESPN. The Chiefs superfan, uh, as of yesterday evening... Uh, is now indicted on bank robbery and money laundering charges. Mm. Uh, here's what apparently happens. Since we have more updates now, according to a Department of Justice release, Chief Zolik fled while out on bond in Oklahoma after receiving $100,000 in winnings from an Illinois sports book from bets on Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes to win NFL MVP and Chiefs to win the Super Bowl. The indictment alleges that days after receiving the $100,000 from the bet, he cut his ankle monitor and fled the state. 
tried to take the money and run. He was on the run for over three months before being captured by the FBI near Sacramento on July 7th. Out on bond, which, by the way, how the hell was he ever out on bond? You know this dude was going to... You've seen into his bank account. You saw what he's done. You know, you see the bets, bets he has put out there. So after he won that 100 k which, by the way, how was that... I guess it's legal if you're under... Well, because, yeah, I guess he's not... Technically, this is all alleged still, right? This is all alleged. It hasn't been technically proven yet in a court of law. So I guess that bet would go through. He would receive that $100,000. But I guess in his mind, he thought a hundred k would be enough to live off of? Was he still going to bet? Was that how he was going to make a living? Shocking. This needs to have a 30 for 30 on it. The next Netflix untold. Now, the defense law- uh, lawyer came out and said, the government's announcement today of its 19-count indictment provides an unfair and unjust portrayal of, all, instead of using his name, I'm just going to say Chief Zaholic. Uh His attorney's name is Matthew T. Merriman, went on to say, the truth is that since 2018, Chief Zaholic has entertained, inspired, Unified and motivated Kansas Cityans, the Chiefs' kingdom, and hundreds of millions of football fans around the globe. It's now the fourth quarter of the most important game of Chiefs' Aholic's life. And his legal team believes his innocence will ultimately be proven to the public. And we are confident that once all the facts are known, that he will be redeemed in the eyes of his supporters, admirers, in the Chiefs' kingdom, end quote. Well, I'll tell you one thing. He has definitely entertained. Is his lawyer his best friend or something? Like, <laughs> was it his, his teammate on the lamb? Oh. He's entertained and motivated and unified hundreds of millions of football fans. Hundreds of millions? There are 365 million people in the United States he didn't, not even a hundred million, hundreds of millions, plural. Apparently, uh, Chief Zaholic is the most impactful and important uh, football fan in the world, according to his lawyer. Yeah, without him, we don't. Kansas City Chiefs don't have what they don't have. don't have Chiefs Kingdom. Uh-uh. Apparently, without Chief Zaholic, so uh, something I learned today. Allegedly, of course. Allegedly. This story gets crazier and crazier. Take a break. Come back. Home stretch here. ESPN, Kansas City. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? When you were eight and you had bad treats, you go to school and learn the golden Bad boys? That's the Royals' bullpen. And not the good, like bad boys, like they're bad. No, they're they're bad. The Royals are way more fun, so I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, bash them too much as Brash actually picks up the, uh, the save. 
What happened at the very end of the game? That must have been the quickest bottom of the ninth of all time. It indeed was very quick, yeah. Was it very quick? Yeah, the three up, three down. But uh, Carlos Hernandez gave up the three-run bomb. He has been buns ever since. And I want to be a little bit more positive about the Royals because they're, they're, they're way more fun right now, and they should have made all of those trades in the bullpen. Like, they should have done yes, that. Okay, yes. Not disagreeing there. But you thought Carlos Hernandez was a guy you could probably start counting on for the long term as, okay, this is your new clothes, your new bullpen piece. No. Ever since he took over as the high-leverage guy, he can't handle it. Taylor Clark was good at some point this year? No. Scott Barlow wasn't really good this year, but he still was traded, and yay. But Carlos Hernandez, ever since he took over, has gotten progressively worse. And I don't get it. He's been getting lit up, for sure. And it's been his opportunity to lose, and he's losing it. That's now, he falls to 1-8 and eight on the year. Now I get it, wins and losses don't mean much, but if you're a bullpen guy, 8 losses is a good amount. That is not something you want by your name, especially if you think you're a good pitcher, and especially if you think that people are going to, uh, again, have a chance to be the closer next year. Now, now I don't know. Um, Zerpa pitched pretty well, six strikeouts and four innings, uh, only gave up one Run, uh, but quite frankly, again, it was the the offense again that was pretty exciting as Bobby Witt Jr. gathered two more hits. Uh, Michael Massey again with another hit and a huge RBI. Uh, Nelson Velasquez, another home run, another one. Dude, he's slugging seven thirty one on the year. Yeah, not OPSing, slugging. I know it's not going to keep up like this forever, but could it? Six games, four homers. He really looks like what the Royals hoped that Edward Olivares would be. Yeah. Again, I've said it before, I, I don't want to say he would be um, Jorge Soler, because Jorge Soler has done this now for a while. I know that's the, the easy comp to say Soler. Soler is a little different. He's a bigger guy. Um, I think Olivares is the better comp of what the Royals hoped he was going to be. Or maybe even Franmil Reyes at the beginning of the year. He didn't yeah. last long. He didn't but... last long. But again, Franmil Reyes is a huge guy. Yeah. Velasquez... I, I am really, really surprised and excited about what he is bringing to the table. Uh, and then Freddie Fermin, again, with another hit and an RBI. The offense is starting to pick it up a little bit. They're getting way more exciting. I will also say defensively, they weren't great today. But MJ Melendez, who had two hits of his own today, starting to heat up a little bit. Threw out a guy at the plate. I know he's not a good defender, but at least he uh, got an arm. He did let a line drive get over his head. Yeah, he's not good defensively. He's at least got an arm. Yeah. He's got that going for him. But he's starting to heat up a little bit with the bat. Again, Royals aren't good. They have 39 wins. But we're finally starting to see an actual team come together. They fall to 39 and 64. But quite frankly, 84. 84. (laughs) There's still a reason for optimism for next year. We're out of here. We'll be back on Monday. Until then, we are out.